you have your Bibles and are able to locate Genesis chapter 1, if you would turn there, I know it's one of those Bible drill things, when you get there, <clears throat> put your finger on any verse in Genesis chapter 1 and step forward. If y'all don't do Bible drills, then that's not a good joke, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be looking tonight, 1 and 2, kind of again a follow-up from Sunday morning sermon. But before we get into the text itself, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you, and you may have to think about this for just a moment. But have any of you ever had something that somebody recommended to you? Now, this could be uh, a new dish or a new restaurant. This could be a TV show or a book or a movie or any number of things, but something that somebody recommended to you. They said, I think you should try this, and when they said it, you immediately thought, I don't think I'm going to like that. Have y'all ever had anything like that before? Can you think of any things that were that way? Something that somebody said, listen, it's good, I've enjoyed it, I think you should try it, and you were not convinced. You were thoroughly convinced that you were not going to enjoy this. Can y'all think, can you think of something specific? What is it? An asparagus loaf. Now, I hope nobody in here made the asparagus loaf, huh? Okay, very good. Don't pass that along if you know who made the asparagus loaf. So you didn't want to try it. Now you, and you were convinced it wasn't going to be good. And how was it? Did you try it? And how was it? It was as bad as you thought it was going to be? All right. All right, so there's one. What about something else? Turnip green soup. All right, so you don't like that. Now, I know we don't have to get into the debate, right? The question is something that she didn't think she was going to like, not did you like it? You didn't, but you did try it. Now, that's, now this is impressive, both of the people, that there was something that you were convinced you weren't going to like. You did try, so that's good. What about any, y'all have any others? It might not be a food. It could be something else. A diet? Didn't like, didn't think you were going to like it, and didn't like it. Didn't try it. Okay, there you go. So there we have our first, didn't try. Um, did you have one? You look like you had one, brother. Just a lot of food. Ginger, anything with ginger. Uh, I do it to Amanda all the time. You need to taste this. And she says, I don't want to taste this. Uh, that happens a lot. I have one specific one. I know some of y'all have heard this story, so you can just take a nap for a moment. But It's whenever I was in England, I was on a mission trip, and I was staying with a family there. They had, you know, were gracious enough to host me while I was there. And, and so they were cooking, you know, local dishes so we could try things from their culture. And w the husband was originally from Great Britain. The wife was originally from China. And so they had some interesting things that we were able to, to try. And one day I got up, and on the, that morning I saw on the counter this bowl, and it had something in it that really the best way to describe is it looked like a small jello mold. Uh, it was a clear-looking, opaque jello mold. Um, kind of the size and 
form and kind of the same look of like a small animal brain. It was very odd looking. And so immediately I asked, you know, Richard, Richard, what is that? And he says, oh, that's something that Jessica, that was her, that's her chosen name when she moved to English. That's something that Jessica's going to use to make a soup later. And I said, hmm, all right. Uh, and he, he assured me that it was good, you know, and I still was not convinced. So I came up with a plan. I'm just going to ask Jessica what's the name of the soup. Then I can Google it and figure out what this thing is. So Jessica, Jessica, I hear you're making soup later. What type of soup? And she says, oh, no name, just Chinese soup. Oh, great, just Chinese soup. Come to find out later, it was a it was a fungus, a fungi of some sort, and uh, I did try it, and it was the consistency of Jello, but it took on the flavor. Whatever you cook it, it kind of like Jello, I guess. Whatever you cook it in, it had the flavor of that thing, and it just so happened that it was cooked in beef broth. So it was beef broth flavored Jello, is what it was like, and it was very bad. It was. Very, very bad. I thought it was going to be bad, and it was very bad. But I ate it. I didn't want to be ungrateful to the host. All right, let's do this on the opposite side here. Has there ever been something that somebody had recommended to you or talked about? Same thing, whatever category you want. And when you heard it, you were excited about it. You did want to try this new restaurant or this new food or dish or book or you wanted to watch this show or somebody went and watched a movie and told you about it and you wanted to see it. Can any of you think of anything like that that you were excited to try? What you got? Mm. New Amsterdam, was it good? Okay. Is anybody else convinced? Are y'all going to try that? Oh, okay, no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. What about anybody else? That's good. I went on a trip with Dan and Don and heard quotes from that movie this past year, so you know that that one really stuck with them. Well, have any of you had this happen, though? Somebody recommended something, and you were excited about it, and you ended up not liking it. You were excited. You wanted to try it. You wanted to see it. You wanted, and then you were very disappointed. Has that ever happened to any of you? <laughs> uh, I can tell you one specific time that this happened for me. Now, again, we're not debating. This isn't if you like this or not. But whenever I was in college, I think I was in college, there was a movie that came out, and everybody just talked about how hilarious. This is the best movie ever. You've got to see it. It's so funny. Just on and on and on. And so I said, man, I've got to watch this movie. This just sounds outstanding. Now, the movie, some of you won't have seen this, was Napoleon Dynamite. That's the movie. I don't know how many of you have seen it. That The name kind of gives away nothing, which the movie had. And so at the time, this is remember, this was ages ago. So I went to Blockbuster, 
and rented Napoleon Dynamite because that's how you got movies back then. And I took it home, and I'm, I mean, I'm so excited. This is going to be hilarious, and I put it in. And after 10 minutes, I took it out, put it in the box, and took it back to Blockbuster and said, is there any way that I can exchange this for something that's worth watching? It was, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. It was, in my estimation, now we don't have to debate it because I'm talking, uh, the, dumbest, the dumbest thing I had ever seen. Now, I don't know, some of you may love it. It just didn't suit my fancy, uh, and I don't have a lot of fancy anyway. But here's the thing I wanted us to kind of think about here. You know, whenever you're going to try something and you don't expect it to be good, and it turns out to not be good, that's not that surprising, is it? Because you thought it was going to be bad. But when there's something that you expect to be good, and you're excited about it, and it ends up being bad. Isn't that like a whole new level of disappointing? When you think it's got to be good, and then it's not, it just lets you down almost an extra level. Our text tonight, as we look in Genesis chapter 1, has been spread out among several of you. And so what I'm going to do for those lucky ones that, were, that got here early, that's what you get for coming early, uh, is I'm going to just call the, the scripture reference from chapter 1, and if I call the verse that you have, if you would, just read it out loud for us. And the rest of you can read along in your Bibles, but in Genesis 1, the first one is verse 4. Thank you. In verse 10. Verse 25. And verse 31. Thank you all so much. They're very good readers. What thing, what did you notice all of those verses had in common? And and it was good, right? I mean, we just went through just from the beginning to the end, from, you know, this day through the sixth day, and just it's all good. We separate the light from the darkness, and it's good, and we see the, the creatures in the sea, and they're good, and we see the livestock, and they're good, and we see day six, the men are made, the man and woman are made, and everything's made, and it was very good. Right, it's just time and time and time and time again. As we go through the first chapter of the Bible, all of these things are good. Now, is that surprising to you that all of the things that God made were good? No. I would expect that too. I mean, 
it's not that surprising that all the things that God made were good. Now, again, I think this kind of goes back to a little bit of what we talked about Sunday morning, that this wasn't necessarily God making observations. Like, he made it, and he wasn't sure how it was going to turn out. I think he made them. He knew they were going to be good, and he was declaring it is good for the rest of us who might not know for sure. He was telling us these things are good when I made them. All of this creation is good. And it's not surprising because God had the two things that I think are very important in making something well. One, he had the knowledge of how to make it. And then he had the ability to make it as well. You know, sometimes we come up short. I've, I've talked a couple times about the table that I made recently. And there were a couple times that I didn't have the knowledge. I would get done with something and I would talk to Don and he would tell me, well, if you would have done this, and I said, oh, that is brilliant, but I'm already done. If I would have only known that, I didn't know all that I needed to know for the plan ahead of time. And then there were some things that I did know, but I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the skills to do those specific things. But God had all of it. He had all of the knowledge and all of the wisdom of how to make the things good. And then he's unlimited in power and ability. So whatever he thought was best, he could do that. And so it's all good. All of these things are good. But I want to read to you one verse from chapter 2 that we looked at Sunday morning. It's Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. What really stands out to that verse in light of everything else we've read tonight? Not good, right? We haven't seen that yet. This, it's good. This, it's good. That was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven verses that we read. Either it was good or it was very good. And then in chapter 2, for the first time in written history, there's something that God says, it is not good. And that really stands out to me. And what is it? What is the thing that is not good? For man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Now I want you to kind of stick that part in your pocket for just a minute. Because that's what we're looking at tonight. Is this idea of, of the things that can come with having a spouse. Things that can come from being married. Because sometimes the way that I hear some people talk about marriage is that marriage is not good. That it's not enjoyable. That it's not a good thing. But the truth is for us to be alone is the thing that's not good. When marriage is done the way that it should be, it is good. That's the way that God designed it. It's not good to be alone. It is good to have a companion, a helper, a helpmate someone to share life with now again we don't have to debate that because there's no debate that's what the scripture says being alone in God's design is not good and when we are in a Christ-like relationship it is good now tell me this and you can take a moment to think about it if you need to what are some things that we see either that we see specifically in scripture or that you just know from experience what are some things that are gained, what are some good things that come from being married? 
you're not alone. And so that's a good, and that one is very clear from Scripture, right? Alone's not good. The loneliness is taken away. Hmm. That's right. That's right. What else? What are some other things, either from Scripture or from experience? Okay. And so in marriage with a spouse, you don't have to do that. It's, you don't have all that place. Do what? can have children and certainly that's from chapter one be fruitful and multiply that is something that god has given specifically to take part in the confines of marriage friendship someone to share with and it's good because a lot of these that we're saying i know y'all are saying from experience but i think they all fall under this one verse in verse 18 of chapter two because it says it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper. And that word isn't like hired help for the house. It's a companion, a help, somebody to share with, somebody so that I won't be alone, somebody to help me make decisions, somebody to be there, somebody to be a friend that I'm always going to have. All of these are biblical things that come with having a spouse. What else? A helper. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of work and a lot of tasks. It's nice to have somebody else with you. And we see that one as well in, in Genesis chapter 1. In verse 28, says, God blessed them and God said to them, as, as we saw just a minute ago, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens over every living thing that moves on the earth. And those ideas of subdue and have dominion over are working words. We looked at that a little bit Sunday night in Proverbs. Those are words that bring about this idea of work, and those tasks aren't taken alone. Those tasks are divided between the man and the woman. He makes them in his image, male and female, in verse 27, and then it says, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So that work, the tasks and things that come along with life, and having a home or having a family, are divided among the two of you, and that is a blessing. In Ephesians chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but in verse 33, it tells us that one specific thing that comes from the wife or the husband is respect, that the husband is respected by the wife. And a specific thing also in verse 33, from the husband to the wife, is love. And are those not important things, to feel respected and to feel loved? Those are very important things. And that comes, now, not that those things can't come from other places, right? Companionship, friendship, love, uh, sharing tasks, these things can come from friendships. They can come from family, but they don't come in the same capacity that they do with your spouse. You don't share them in the same way with a brother or sister or with a best friend that you can with a spouse. And if we're being honest, sometimes even as a friend, whenever your friend tells you something that's a little bit out there, you look at them a little bit differently. Sometimes we judge even a friend or even a brother or sister, but the spouse that we love unconditionally, we just listen and we accept them for who they are. That's, that's, how, we, that's how that relationship is different than it is from any of the other people that you might have those things from. All of those things come from a spouse. Now, 
Have any of you ever had something that you were really looking forward to, you really wanted, a big thing, something you had prayed for, something that you had worked toward? I'm talking like uh, like a new job or uh, or a job when you didn't have a job, period, or, or having children or maybe owning your first home, but something that you really, really wanted that when you got that thing, that you ended up realizing that there were some headaches that came with it. Have y'all ever experienced that before? I think in most of those things it's that way. Like when you don't have a job and you want a job, you pray for it and you search for it. And then when you get it, don't there still end up being some days when you wake up and you just don't want to go to work that day? Y'all felt that feeling before? I don't feel that way, certainly. But some of you may have. Uh, and it's, it's okay, you realize that that comes with having a job. There are some days that you don't want to, but you're still thankful that you have the job. And children, right? We want children and we pray for children and then we have children. And some days, they make you want to pull your hair out, right? Some days in a certain moment, it seems like a big task to have children. But then the moment passes, and we still realize the blessing that our children are even over and against that moment of time that we had to deal with, right? And this happens in a lot of things. You get a house, and you're so excited to have your own house, and then the air conditioner goes out, and you have to pay to have it fixed. But you're still thankful that you have the house, even though you had to pay for the air conditioner. But I think, as I talk to individuals, I think that one place that that perspective is lost a lot of times is in marriage. I talk to husbands, or I talk to to wives, and the one thing, or the several things that they share about their spouse are the negative things, right? When they first got married, of course, everybody's excited. They're excited about their wedding day. They're excited about getting married, and they're excited about having this companion, this friend. But then as they're married, they just focus on, well, my wife asked me to do you know, stuff all the time, or or my husband is lazy and he just leaves his clothes laying everywhere. This is not a specific thing about me at all. And he leaves dirty dishes in the living room, right? And, and we say it jokingly, but some people focus on those things so much that they get to the point that they don't enjoy being married anymore. They see their spouse as nothing but a burden. And I think it's because we forget this biblical perspective. We focus so much on the few things that the spouse does that bother us that we forget the blessings that God has enriched our life with by our spouse. We forget the companionship and the friendship and the person that listens without judging. And we forget the respect and we forget the love and we forget having somebody to split these tasks with. We've missed all of those we, list, we give all those up and focus on this one thing that my spouse does that really gets on my nerves. And what I would implore you to do, those of you that are still married, would be to treat your marriage like you treat your job or your children in this way, that you don't focus on the little things that bother you as much as you focus on the greatness of having this thing the children some days are hard but you wouldn't give them up for anything 
and some days you don't want to go to work or you have a certain coworker that really gets on your nerves, but you wouldn't give up your job and the blessing that it is and having that stability for anything, be that way with your spouse. Yes, they do some things that bother you because none of us are perfect, but don't be willing to give up the blessing of a spouse and the enrichment that God has placed in your life because of those few things. Instead, say, just because of this and this, I wouldn't be willing to give up the beauty of this relationship that I have with this person and nobody else on earth. I would also leave you with this tonight. If any of you are here that have more perspective about this than we do, if you have been widowed, if you know what it's like to on some days want to pull your hair out because of your spouse, but then you have lived to a point in life when you don't have that spouse anymore, and you could share with us in the younger generation this idea of, listen, those little moments will pass. Cherish your spouse. If you could share with us what a blessing it is to have had that spouse, we don't know what it's like to live without our spouse. Help us to know what that's like without us actually having to do it. Before your children or grandchildren get to the point of divorce, give them that perspective of you think that it's not worth having that spouse, but if you had lived where I have without them, you would know what a blessing they are. If you have that perspective, be willing to share that perspective. Again, I tell you that many of you in the older generation, you have things that we don't, wisdom and understanding that only come from living through certain life experiences. Please share that with us because there are people in your family or your community or in this church that need to hear those things. And I pray that you'd be willing to, to step out and to share those things with us. Y'all would join me as we pray and thank the Lord for all the ways that he enriches our life. Father God, I am thankful. Lord, even though many of the things in our life might bring about some headaches here and there, Father, we know that all of these things, Lord, work and children and having a home and having a spouse, Lord, that, that these things are good and that your design for them is good. Lord, that sometimes, that most of the time, that the things that, that get on our nerves are because we're living outside of the confines that you had built for us. Lord, whenever we become selfish, it seems that marriage is not good. But Father, that's because you didn't create us to be selfish. You created us to be selfless lovers of one another. Father, we know that, that all of these things you have given us and that you created them in a way that is good. So Father, help us to seek your design for our marriage, your design for our work, your design for us as parents and church members and all of these things, Father. Help us to have the perspective that these things have not been placed in our life as burdens, but as things that enrich our life and make it more enjoyable. Father, help us to understand these things so that we would see the ways that you have blessed us that we have overlooked way too often. And Father, thank you for your love and for your wisdom and foresight in placing these things in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.